I only came to take it seriously when I was looking for some answer to the dilemma that I had been in and that leaders are in. And it was almost as if I had this aha kind of moment that said, it's right in front of you, but you haven't taken enough notice. Hello again, and welcome to our final conversation in the mentoring series with Keith Farmer. I'm Lee Hatcher, and Keith, this time we're going to rip through a whole lot of very practical uh, questions, like a Q&A, that have flowed out of our marvellous conversations. A lot of stuff we've covered has been very practical, but this is a whole range of what I think is really interesting kind of questions about where to from here. You up for this? Yes. Okay. First question. Having seen this series and heard you on mentoring, maybe I'm thinking, yeah, I think in all humility, I think I'd be up for this. What do I do now? Where do I go? Okay, that's both an urgent and important question. Urgent because I think uh, leaders really need mentors to come alongside them. Uh, Very, very current Um, that need is increasing all the time. But also there's gradually a recognition on the part of people who have had ministry and leadership experience that this could be um, a part of the next stage of my life and ministry. People can slide into mentoring. You don't have to become a full-time mentor. Lots of people have um, started with two or three mentorees and some pastors whom I've been in contact with ask their board, can I do a half a day a week in mentoring? So I'll drop down and um, they then stay in local church ministry but also give the benefit of their years of experience. So it could start quite casually. <coughs> yes. And that's a bit of a test in the water, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I, I think there's a, a consciousness raising education um opportunity at the moment just to help people who are in ministry to know this resource could really help you and secondly to help people who are able to give as mentors to know um, one that they could be an incredible resource to some less experienced or younger um, people in ministry and two that um, they don't have to do a a great deal of uh, training they have to do some. We call it top-up training, just to fill in the gaps and whatever, to give them enough structure and confidence to be able to go in to mentoring. But the top-up training, we do it in about four half days um, for people who are sensing that God is leading them towards this as part of their ministry. But we really need to say to this person, mate, it's not about you. Yeah. That's right. Why? Yes. So um, there's the Australian Christian Mentoring Network. Some people may be aware of that. We ask people who are um, going to do the top-up training whether they could become members of that network. And that that involves some some accreditation. So, And we also... I, I've linked with um, Tim Hanna and we've come under partners in ministry to build a bank of mentors across Australia, 
across denominational within the evangelical Pentecostal network so that there's a safety uh, available to people who may wish to be mentored by somebody outside their own network because sometimes if it's a person who could affect your um, future ministry prospects, you're not going to be as open as honest. So that's safety factor. And I've mentored across networks and I don't find any, particularly within the evangelical networks. So there's there's a bank of people who are being at the moment built and we ask their own network or somebody within their own denomination to vouch for the fact that this is a person of significant leadership experience and integrity so that we keep the quality of the mentors so that um, anywhere in Australia at some stage a person could say who's available to mentor me uh, so we're gradually building a bank. Okay. And considering the very great needs that we covered of the leader today, the Christian leader, the pastor, and the denominations would have to be aware of that. Are you finding that denominations are more open to mentoring, the whole concept of mentoring? Yes. Because it can often be quite a closed shop yes. in the denominations. Yes. Can I tell you quickly a story? I right. mentioned that Tomorrow, on, on a Zoom one-hour presentation, that is to ACC pastors, and we've done two previous ones of these, and the first one, the estimate from within ACC, Australian Christian Church, was that we probably would have about 15 pastors in our room. We ended up with 270 Whoa. And the second one, it's estimated when you take into account the teams watched that there were approximately 400 pastors watching. And Tim Hanna and I were gobsmacked by that, basically saying we had no idea. And the leaders of that network were also saying, wow, this must be something that pastors are really wanting, both in terms of maybe accessing a mentor, but also maybe becoming mentors. And an expression of the need. Yes. Actually. Yeah. yes. Who should I have alongside me if I'm a mentor, Keith? A mentor needs to be mentored um, so that... Always? I, I would find it difficult to have integrity as a, as a mentor without... I... I when I was at the college, I became um, sold on mentoring and that was basically because I went through some really tough times and I actually believe that it was that support and some of the strategies that I received through my mentor that got me through. So I then started to bring mentoring into the life of the college and we we actually had a spiritual formation stream where every student needed to have a, a mentor. Um, so it got me believing that this was a, a really important um, resource. So I would, I, I guess you could mentor without actually being mentored. It doesn't mean that the person who is mentoring you is a guru or 
a, a standout a kind of person. No, no. no, in fact, it's almost the opposite. Yes. The person who I mentioned passed away, who was my last mentor. He had been a pastor, but he was retired, and he was just his wisdom. Wisdom was was his forte, and and wisdom becomes an important part of mentoring. Yes. yes. Um, so books like James and and uh, and uh, Proverbs and the wisdom literature. I think we should um, devour that to know what is the heart of God and what God's plan for a, a healthy lifestyle really is. Yes. You've been talking about different styles of mentorship. Yours is quite a gentle style. Sometimes it's directive, needs to be directive. Talk to me about the different styles of mentorship. Um, there are There are different styles in terms of not only how directive a person is and you would know that for instance in counseling um, there are multiple models of counseling and even going back to when I when I trained they were at various ends of the spectrum so that you had Rogers who um, basically was non-directive and just reflected back what the person said and was not able or allowed to be directive. And then there was rational emotive therapy, a guy by the name of Albert Ellis, who berated the people to think rationally. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, so there were different yeah. styles and some su- suited people depending on their dilemma, but also their personality or whatever. Um, so it is with mentoring. So you, there are seasons for, for, one person being most effective and, and whatever. Um, I, I would say that it's not just this area of, um, of directiveness, but also how much structure there is. My, as you've gathered, my mentoring is quite unstructured and, and I never know. I don't have a set the mentor I had, first of all, I know what we would do in the first hour. I know what we would do in the second hour. He was very, very... And then he would literally give me homework, okay? Now, I'm not structured in that way. There would be things that I would be disappointed if the person didn't work on. And sometimes I would say something like, it would be interesting in three months for us just to talk about how you've been going in that area so that the person would know this is on the agenda. But I've never given homework in a structured no. sense like like that. So the person who helped me so wonderfully when I was at college, he would have me say four key objectives in each year that I was aiming for and every mentoring session we would be looking specifically at what had happened in each of those and rating how we were going. So there was not only um, uh, outcomes, but we were rating the outcomes against objectives that had been set. And that helped you. And that helped me incredibly. And at one stage I said, it was a guy called Les Scarborough from John Mark Ministry. I said to Les, Les, would you, would you help me to train to be a mentor at some stage? And he said yes. So 
halfway through the first session, I said, oh, sorry, this is not going to work. Oh, really? There's no way. I just have to accept, Les, that what you've done for me is brilliant, but I can't do it that way. I wouldn't be authentic and I value it very much and would say it's at least as strategic and legitimate as my model, but it's not going to work. What did he say? He said, fine. Was that a style question then? Uh, Yes. Yes, it was. But you came to recognise that there was a style. And also, for me, it was a stage and type of ministry that I needed something at that time that was quite strategic because I'm not particularly able in areas of key strategy. So he helped me to develop that. Have you had mentors for yourself or mentorees who you've mentored who haven't worked out? Oh, yes. How do you know that? And is that still okay when things don't go? I think a part of mentoring should always be that there is what we call immediacy and that's just being honest about whether this is working for you and that that can happen at any time but there is a at least every 12 months you stop and have a direct conversation with the person or people about whether it's working for them, whether I feel that I'm the right person and it's working as far as I can see. And then you have either a commitment to the next 12 months or, yes, uh, and sometimes I've said, look, do you mind if I help you find somebody who I think would be more effective for you? Or a person might say, the next stage of my life and ministry, I think I probably need this kind. So there's immediacy on a... It's open at any time to say this is not working for me, as I did when I said this is not working for me the way you're training me. I, I, don't, I don't get it, actually. And it's still okay. Yeah. That's the point I wanted to exactly. ask. Exactly, yeah. And so that's part of the security that we have, that yeah. this is not about ego or about how many people I'm mentoring or are people asking me. This is about finding the right fit for my stage of ministry, my life, my discipleship, and at some stage, I might have moved, they may have moved, so let's have a a strong sense of okayness about moving on. Hi, I'm Peter Mayrick from Partners in Ministry. Partners in Ministry wants to support and equip church leaders to better lead their churches in Christ's mission. And we want to see the Church of Christ grow through effective ministry, which produces disciples who make other disciples. We do this through providing one-to-one support for church leaders and by providing tools and training for church leaders, which are focused on achieving effectiveness in church ministry and leadership. We would love to work with you. We'd love to meet you. And we'd love to support you in your ministry. If you're interested in taking up our offer, please contact us through info at partnersinministry.com or through our website and we'll follow up with you. Thanks so much. I'd like to hear your wisdom on the issue of Sabbath rest and we've touched on that a couple of times in our conversations. You'd think that this mob of ministers' leaders 
are the people who most get this, who teach it from the very Bible where it came. But often they're the last to truly get this. How do you help someone identify practical ways in which they actually just do that? I didn't come to this idea of the importance of um, Sabbath or of rest easily because I've probably said enough already for you to know that I didn't value sleep. I didn't, uh, I'd much rather uh, burn out than rust out. That's yes. what I was taught. Yeah, yeah. That was the, the ideology that I actually followed. Um, my own experience in burnout and I'd been close to it several times again since then, um, particularly when I was at the college. Um, I only came to take it seriously when I was looking for some answer to the dilemma that I had been in and that pastors and leaders are in. And it was almost as if I had this aha kind of moment that said, it's right in front of you, but you haven't taken enough notice of it either personally or uh, in your training or in your actual um, mentoring. So I remember reading a couple of books about Sabbath and seeing how crucial it is to the whole idea of God's creation. He created us and he himself rested one day in seven and that the nation of Israel was at least partly functioning around this whole principle, even the land. Fellow, yes. The land yeah. needed to lie fellow one year in seven in order to be able to keep reproducing. And you still didn't get it. No, and that the year of Jubilee, which is immediately after the passage in Leviticus about lying, lying fellow for the land, that that is seven times seven, seven sabbatical um, situations and then it becomes a year of release or of jubilee so that the whole of the nation of Israel was actually structured and built around a recuperative yes. process and without that the nation would not produce its food and the people would burn out. So is it pride? Are you thinking, well, I'm, I'm too good for that, really? I don't need that? It could be partly, but I think it's also partly our, our Western, uh, is it Western? Our tendency to think that outcomes are the most important things and in order to get the outcomes, you've got to be working harder, working longer, um, doing more, Resting less. Um, uh, otherwise, you will never be successful. And I would now say it's about quality is even more than quantity, yeah. that you need to make sure that the quality of life is there so that the output has quality and that will be more powerful than any amount of quantity because output may actually be counterproductive. If, it's, if something grows and it's cancerous, it's not a good growth. How do you get in before you start building fences near the cliff edge? Like how are you nurturing someone through mentoring almost at the very start so that they actually get this, they understand it right from the start, before they're in strife? It doesn't happen very often. It's interesting. My, one of my senses about 
say why those pastors are in the Zoom room is that it's getting harder and harder and they are probably facing some, not only through COVID but through other factors, some deeply anxiety-provoking issues. So the, the person on the ground out there who's in the church and may be quite isolated and maybe even decentralised, they are saying, oh, this could be something that really helps me. So we are, I think there's a stewardship responsibility to do this um, not only um, quickly, but to do it very well because God's opening up an opportunity for this that even surprises people like Tim Hanna and myself. Okay, wisdom, Keith. Can I leap into gender? It's a particularly tricky mm. issue today on the back of Me Too, the sexual abuse, the consent issues that swirl around us. You've, you've actually mentored many women. Mm. I wonder how appropriate that model is, cross-gender mentoring, either men to women, women to men, and whether that's changed or needs to change. I've not found a problem in mentoring across the two sexes. In fact, I partly accept that men are from Mars and women from Venus, but the kinds of things that we're talking about, key issues about who we are and spirituality and key relationships, they are not gender-specific. They are deeply created in both genders. And on a practical note, I would, on maybe half a dozen times in the years I've been mentoring, I would have said to a lady, a female, um, I just think you need to talk to your GP about that. That would be as far as we've ever had any... and, And she would have been talking about some relationship issue that was maybe intimate or whatever, and I'd just say... Yeah. You know, I, I can't. But more than at perhaps any other time, there has to be a sense of trust yes. and being above reproach and whether we are safest ourselves yes. and, and our mentorees. Yes. And perhaps. just as I would say, well, people need to choose with whom they are more comfortable and if a female is more comfortable with another female, that's completely okay or a male with another male. I'm just saying I don't see any systemic um, dilemmas there for me personally just every now and then and I wouldn't sacrifice the mentoring value and relationship for just asking them every now and then to talk to their GP or putting a little bit of a barrier up and saying basically we won't go there but that's very, very very rare. Um, So I would encourage, just as I mentor women, that women can mentor men. In fact, I would say because there's an emphasis on relationships in mentoring, and I might get into trouble for this, as a generic statement, women might be better at it than men because women are generally more in tune with the relational side of living than is a generic situation for men. But always to be handled with care. 
always handled with care. Are there safety issues involved in mentoring that I would have to be aware of as a prospective mentor, Keith? Safety in what sense? Relationally? Oh, yes. Um, I think we have to be very uh, careful about um, any... um, Counter-transference, if I can put it in a psychological term. Which means? Which means that the relationship is more than it actually appears to be because of the needs inside the person with whom I am mentoring. And there could be a, a, a transference on the part... It's transference and counter-transference. There could be a... Um, there could be a vulnerability that I have to a particular kind of person or female that they are my mother or they are my father or it it rings a few bells or sets off a few tapes so that I'm not actually able to be as present. And also that's both from the mentoree and the mentor so that, for instance... A long time ago, I had a lady come and ask for for some help and uh, I actually said no immediately and um, I went home and said to my wife, um, I didn't tell her who came, but a lady came to see me. I found her incredibly attractive. What she told me that day, um, it was heart rending so I I was emotionally I just said I I think you need a female to mentor you and I can recommend um, this person to you I was talking to my twin brother about um, that and he said to me I can describe that lady to you and I said you're joking and he said, and he described her, and I said, "That's unbelievable." Wow. So I, we need to be aware of some areas of vulnerability, and you need to either be sensitive if somebody's obviously there's a bit of um, transference or counter-transference going on, just recognise. Hang on, this is actually not a, a good. A good match. Sensitive and honest with yourself. Yeah. Too. Can I go to money? Is it right to charge for mentoring? Um, I think mentoring is a very valuable um, help and a valuable ministry. And I think there are biblical uh, principles for the fact that the person who is ministering in this way or in other ways has their needs met. So in principle, there is absolutely no um, reason why it could not be a um, a vocation that you support your family from. I doubt whether anybody would at the moment be able to support their family. Yes. Um, at one stage, I was mentoring 125 leaders in Australia and... We had all of our children married and no mortgage, otherwise we wouldn't we wouldn't have survived. So 
but I'd hoped that it might be gradually changing in that. I have a couple of principles that I'm not sure that they should be general principles because some people who are involved in mentoring may have different mortgage or family needs. I ask a couple of questions. Is your ministry willing and able to support the mentoring? In which case, if they are willing and able, I will accept payment. If they are not willing or able, then I will ask the question, who needs the money more, you or me? That's a very strange question to ask. (laughs) But I ask it regularly of new people and the, the thing there is if a person is in ministry and has a family to support and a mortgage, then the answer to that is very easy. Yes. So approximately a third of the people I mentor, and I have no idea at any time, any one day, whether a person is... My wife looks up after all of that. She asks me whether the person is paying or not. I know those. But she looks after all of that. It makes no difference to me. But I suspect my stage of life may be a significant factor there. Although in defence of mentoring, and when churches can be often pretty stingy, there's great value in it. Yes. And I would like to talk, as I sometimes get the opportunity to do, to boards and elders groups about the role that mentoring can play in the well-being and therefore ongoing sustainability of their leader. It's very much in their interests. Mm. We've talked a bit about boundaries. Can I ask you about confidentiality? Mm. How do you deal with that? Absolutely crucial. Yeah. Um, it's, an, it's a no-brainer. Um, I would suspect that if I was not incredibly confidential... I would lose my mentoring ministry almost overnight. And people know whether they are safe partly by whether you ever talk to them about anybody else you mentor. Totally. So they know if I never, and even if they make a comment, and I sometimes mentor um, multiple people within the one team, which has its hazards, and it's dilemmas, and I've made some mistakes there, but it's a very valuable thing to be mentoring multiple people and to get an idea of the culture and, you know, what's happening within the dynamics of of the team, which are incredibly important. But you've got to make sure that anything that is other than your and my relationship and purview of ministry and life, anything that is injected by you that's outside that, I let go straight through to the keeper. wise. Absolutely. And people will recognise that. I will not, I will make sure even that I have no facial expression that says yes or no to that. And that happens semi-regularly. So people could talk about another team member, but they probably have learned that's going to go straight through. So how do you handle a potential conflict of interest? If you're mentoring leaders and members of a team or Mm. others who are quite connected, how do you resolve that? That's a very important practical issue. 
that I have agonised about because if I would highlight for you the two or three times in my mentoring where I have had to say to other people and to God, I'm sorry, I did not do well there, uh, all of them would have involved conflict or potential conflict of interest where I have not been either quick enough thinking or a bit too tired or just not on the ball in terms of how I've handled something um, like that. So I have thought many times, so don't, don't mentor more than one person in the same ministry situation. Oh, really? Yes. I have thought that that is a good idea. But then as I look at it a little more broadly, and many people would disagree with me about this, I think many very able people who could contribute incredibly effectively are in a general way debarred from doing that because of one area of conflict of interest. And I think that's a tragedy because they could be so valuable in 95 and all they need to do or somebody else needs to do is to say, Keith, you've got a conflict of interest, please leave the room or don't enter into this conversation. There are ways so it needs to be managed rather than have a blanket prohibition on... Because conflict of interest is all over the place. Yes, that's right. How far do you go with that? And I've come to believe that culture is incredibly important. So as you pick up how a team is functioning and how a... Um, a ministry is going generally and, and whatever, you, you speak into the life and the ministry of any individual, but what you also have the opportunity to do when maybe the culture isn't as a, is not addressed that generically, but you can speak into the life of the person in a healthy way that has nothing to do with any comment about culture or another leader. So you can, you can one by one actually seek to change yeah. the culture. This question goes to mentoring, but way beyond mentoring into every one of our lives. And that's the question of pride. So as a mentor, I'm in the position of offering my pearls of wisdom to these people in need. Uh, pride is a real trap. I mean, I always remember the song with the lyric, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. So how do you deal with pride and keep that in check in the context of mentoring? A couple of immediate responses to that. One is that actually that's a character issue. Yes. That it's about humility, which is about acknowledging firmly what by God's grace you are able and you can contribute and to do that realistically because that's the nature of humility is reality. So you don't put yourself down in areas that actually you have something or a great deal to contribute. But you also recognise your dilemmas and you recognise that I'm a redeemed rat bag yes. and therefore I approach you as a fellow traveller and we both have 
our very strong giftedness areas and, and character development, but we both also need help. And the other really important thing to know is that I, I don't find much difficulty in the area of pride at all because um, compared with my other ministries, it's very much out of sight. Yeah. It's behind the scenes. In fact, except if I or the person I'm mentoring tells somebody that I'm mentoring them, unless there's something goes wrong and you don't want that to happen, nobody would even know. So it's actually to some extent a little bit of a test of, you know, the, the, the greatest amongst you will be your servant as to whether we can actually do that and not expect anything in return except the incredible thankfulness of being alongside a person whom you value very highly. And to consider deeply our character because it's right there. Yeah. Um, should a mentor be directive? You've, you've expressed your reluctance and your gentleness of style, but there does come a point, does there, where yes. you have to be directive? Yes. It's not very often, but definitely, and that's what I mentioned earlier. I think sometimes I have missed that and I've needed to go back in some situations in my mentoring and apologise because I was aware of a potential dilemma and didn't actually come directively enough forward. Um, I think you need to treat, I need to treat that very carefully because as I've said earlier, Mentoring is actually a very powerful relationship yes. and the influence in mentoring is profound. An illustration, one of the themes that unfortunately occurs semi-regularly is where a leader is saying, I think my time is um, coming towards an end, um, I'm done or... I'm not sure how much I have to give yet. And my general approach is to encourage the person to stay healthy and as much as possible to be sustainable and um, be able to get up after getting knocked down. That's my general stance. But on three occasions in my mentoring, I have said probably in each case after... Years of us addressing this issue, I've said, okay. There's the line. It's time. Yeah. If you want to follow through on that, I will, as your mentor, support you in that. On each of those three occasions, the person has given their notice within 24 hours. Wow. So, I, and I've thought they'll think about that or whatever, but that when I said, okay, and I will support you in that and let's work out the best way for you to do that, that's been, they've gone with it. So directiveness, yes, but you've got to, it's got to be really important 
and you've got to be able to actually look ahead a little bit to see if I let this go, does that actually gather momentum in a negative way? So you've got to sometimes put a stopper in yeah. there. I flagged this earlier about questions. Are there any go-to questions that you will typically rest on in your mentoring? Or how do I know how to ask the right questions that will elicit more than yes, no, or yeah. a grunt? I have some questions in each of those five areas that I can drill down on. For instance, my question in the fifth area, the uh, vulnerability and accountability area, is if Satan was going to get you out of this ministry, how do you think he might do it? Are you aware of those vulnerabilities and do you have enough support to help you through them. So that's the question that I I ask because it it actually puts it in a fairly wide framework but it also um, indicates where I'm heading and the heading direction is accountability and support. That's what we're... So the questions need to be guiding the person towards what is going to be the most effective outcome for them, their living, their discipleship and their leadership in the immediate and the medium and the long term. So questions need to be open-ended, but they need to lead a person in a, uh, in a, in a, uh, not a directive way, but an indicative way. Somebody said to me many years ago, Keith, you're a person who more than anybody else I've ever met who can get somebody to say what um, I know you want them to say. <laughs> now, I didn't realise that at all. I think all they're saying is that you can help a person to understand dynamics by just asking them the right question that will lead them to examine, if I go in this direction, what might be the... If I go in this direction, what might... In an environment of trust. In an environment of trust, because they know I'm I'm on their side. Yeah. yeah. Self-disclosure. How much of yourself do you feel free to give? It could be pretty tricky sometimes. Very tricky, but also um, quite important particularly in the area of vulnerability because it gives authenticity to a mentor and particularly every person has their own private areas and they shouldn't be a part of mentoring. Um, As limited as possible, I think, but everybody needs their own private areas. But I... I actually think that providing it doesn't derail onto me what is happening, if I can be vulnerable appropriately, you can you can upset somebody and actually um, they they come out of the mentoring more worried about you oh, than about themselves. That's well, oversharing. That that's yeah. actually not a, a good idea. So it can't be self illuminating in the sense of bringing the light onto yourself. It's for the sake of helping the other person to move forward. So you're not the centre, but you actually can help people to see um, 
wow, okay, I'm not the only one. Yes, yeah. Even my mentor is struggling in some... So that, for instance, in some seminars that I give, I am vulnerable and open about a very mild time where I had to say to my wife, I got onto a couple of sites that I shouldn't have been on and I want to be accountable to you. And I share that. And I said, I say to my wife, if that ever happens again, I'm, I'm going to tell you within 24 hours because I think that will, will help me. So I actually, that's a bit of a risk because people think, it, it, they were they were actually medical sites and not not you know yeah. initially they were nothing dramatic but I actually think that that can have a person who's sharing that this is one of their dilemmas to say okay Keith understands what I'm talking about totally. he's not a lily white or anything like that. As we begin to wrap up, can I ask two simple but very significant questions? What do you think the key has been? to keeping you keeping on in the business of ministry and especially mentoring, Keith? Go deeper to go further. Yeah. And it's been, um, it's, it's every now and then you hit, a, you hit a, a point where you won't be able to keep. I was in my role at the college, I think it was two or three years, and I came home one night, we lived on the college property, and I said to Marg, I'm done. I'm a boy in a man's job. This is too hard. And we sat down and we worked out I had three options. One was um, you can resign and be a fairly short-term person in that role. Or my second option was, Keith, just get over it. Toughen up. (laughs) Don't be a bleeding heart. Um, Just do it. And the third was that Marg and I talked about was go deeper, just just go a little deeper at this time. Actually believe the promises of God that he works everything together for good, that there's nothing that's going to be too hard that he'll let come across. And, you know, do you really believe those? Really, nothing will separate you yeah, from the love of God. Yeah, press into that absolute assurance get that intimate organic relationship so that happens and and it still it still happens because my my capacities are gradually waning so in order to be healthy and still very positive i have to accept that life is gradually closing in on me i can't do some things that i used to be able to do so i do i become grumpy or am i actually before god able just to accept that and to be thankful for the incredible opportunities that he gives me. It seems to me through four hours of conversations with you today in the one day, you're doing pretty well still. Thank you. Final question is, what would you say to God about the experiences and the insights that he's opened up for you Uh, in life and faith through mentoring, Keith? The short answer is just thank you. I, you're amazing. I love you. I don't understand some things yet. Um, you're not God. I still don't <laughs> yes. understand why there's so much pain in the world from a loving, gracious God, but I suspect that that has to do with the fact that everything you do is filtered through love 
and not through power and that I don't get that and if we got that, we would understand. You gave us the brilliant opportunity for free will and that was a courageous decision to create us in your image. Thank you for doing that. I'll understand that one day. I look through a, a mirror misty at the moment, but I trust you. There's so much going positively that I'm, I'm in your camp. And I thank you for, for wonderful, immensely wise and insightful conversations as we've covered through this. Keith. Thank I'm you so for the opportunity. Well done. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. I'm sure you've also gained an immense amount from these four conversations in the mentoring series. I'm Lee Hatcher. It's been my privilege to be leading us through these conversations. Bye for now.